This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pistol. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick and it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. Well, it's always a winner winner chicken dinner when you tune into the wide open sports cast. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to see you survive yet another, another nor'easter. I am Fed. I am Rick. And welcome back to the almost world famous 9999th podcast about sports. The wide open sports cast. How you doing, Rick? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Pretty tired. Been uh, doing, getting ready for uh, baseball season with some uh, fancy drafts. Yeah, you had a long day today. Yeah, I had a long day today, and then I had a short one yesterday. It was like an easy snake draft, and then today we did a auction draft, and it took from let's see, it was supposed to start at 8:30 this morning. Uh, ended up starting at 9:15. I left there around three o'clock. Uh, the reason why I left was because my team was finished. Not everyone else was done when I left. So they were still drafting after oh I left. Boy. And at that point, I was like, I, I, need, I have other things to do. I need to record today. So I was just like, I got to go. Yeah, so, and you're going to do a nap for a big outing tonight. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're, we're doing some bowling. Conquering the lanes. Yeah, I uh, haven't bowled in like three, four years, it feels like. As you can see, I've already got on my uh, New Egypt bowling stuff, getting ready to conquer the ladies Coach tonight. Feds. Coach Feds with his 110 average wouldn't even make the JVT. Nice. Because the whole world gone crazy! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Uh, no one needs to know that. <laughs> just walk out like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm the coach. We won a conference championship. Let's just go out there and do it. <laughs> Full yep. send, right? Just gonna go, send man. it! But man, uh, it's good to be back after another wicked week of winter weather that's hopefully finally come to an winter end. Winter weather in the spring. Yeah, spring first. Here's a foot of snow. Yeah, right. I, I was up by my parents because I had a conference this week in Newark, and it actually wasn't too bad, the snow, by my parents' house. But like down where school is, they got over a foot again. Yeah, we got probably over a foot around me. So hey, Hopefully it's the end. Four nor'easters in three to four weeks that's pretty crazy yeah and then it's supposed to be 50 this week so beautiful weather to start lacrosse season yeah man you excited for that yeah should be good first game's wednesday nice um you know looking forward to getting cleared by my doctor so i can start playing again in my uh men's league start playing goalie and get pelted with lacrosse balls again but as i say you know you gotta be a little crazy to play goalie man i don't know you're a little something yeah, I mean, I've always loved it. You know, I uh, my biggest role model when I was growing up, other than Nomar Garcia Parra, was Marty Brodeur. I always wanted to play goalie, whether it was soccer, floor hockey, whatever sport I was playing. If I had a goalie, if my dad was the coach and then put me in for at least a quarter of being goalie, I cried the entire car ride home. 
Really? Yeah, it was pretty. But when my dad was my uh, soccer coach when I was like four years old in like those little peewee leagues, he knew at some point he had to put me in as goalie or else it was going to be a long car ride home. I played goalie once in hockey and I let in eight goals. That was just because it was a rec league and we didn't have a goalie that night. So they asked me to play goalie. You were just like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, no, actually, I fought it at first because I was like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> but they, they finally, they finally I, I wouldn't say convinced me. It was kind of just like, either that we're playing without a goalie. Yeah. So I was like, okay. You grow into it. You know, I'm obviously an avid soccer fan, but never played until like intramural senior year of college. And I was like, well, the only way for me to get on the field is to play goalie. So just like, oh, I'll play goalie. I could use my hands. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to kick the ball every time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but before we get started, Rick, I have a present for you. Yeah, what's that? My first ever homebrew. Oh. The Aldo Apache Oktoberfest. Wow. Now, can you understand the movie reference? Yes. Do you know what Aldo the Apache was? Yeah, that was uh, Inglorious Bastards. Correct. You probably heard yeah. we ain't in the prisoner-taking business. We in the killing Nazi business. And cousin businesses are booming. So, <laughs> it came out okay. I think it's missing a little bit of a taste to it. Um, but I'm happy... The first beer was not a undrinkable because that happens sometimes. Like people make a beer for the first time and they're like, "Oh my god, this is actually undrinkable." Yeah. So you know, it's lacking a little bit of taste. Uh, I know some things I have to do for next time, but you know, figured it'd be a little bit of a celebration. You're the first person to try it. Oh wow, I'm honored. Yeah. So cheers, buddy. Cheers. Congratulations. Thanks. So since we're cheersing to an Oktoberfest, it's only fair to talk about things that happen in the yeah, fall. You know. And Rick, yeah, while we were away, what a time for football. Yeah, free agency was pretty intense. Uh, I mean, the quarterback travel this year, virtually unheard of. With the amount of quarterbacks, like, mate, like starting quarterbacks being transferred from team to team. It's going to be like a whole new league this year. Yeah, it's going to be really weird. I mean, probably the obviously the biggest one, the, like where the uh, the Kirk Cousins, where Kirk Cousins was gonna end up. You like that? You like that? And I think he made the right choice with Minnesota, uh, and they signed him for a shit ton of money. Yeah, was it? Isn't it eighteen million? A yeah, year, something like, like guaranteed that. Guaranteed too. It's like all, all guaranteed. All guaranteed, which is unheard of. The, like no one has, I don't think anyone has ever given a 100% guaranteed contract before. And in all fairness, for a guy who maybe been to the playoff for once, yeah, he's only been to the playoff once. But I mean, in the in that time, I will give it to Kirk Cousins. He's been on subpar teams. Yeah. This is this Minnesota team is good. They have a great defense. They he's got great, the targets and Thielen got, and Diggs. Yeah, so, I mean, he needs to get some work in with them over the offseason. They'll be getting Dalvin Cook back as well They'll and be in, Latavius Murray. Yeah, so, I mean, they're they're pretty set, and their offensive line is pretty decent too. Mm-hmm. So like, Definitely uh, going to be interesting there when they open up in Philadelphia that yeah. Thursday night. I'm, I'm calling. I think that's who the Eagles are going to raise the banner against. And it just – it's so funny when the Eagles beat the Vikings to reach a Super Bowl in Minnesota. I think I forget who said it, but they put it perfectly. It's like your girlfriend breaks up with you, brings someone into your house, fucks them in front of you, and you watch. And now they're getting married 
and you're going to watch it all happen right in front of you inside of your house. Um, but just look at, I called it the Case Keenum effect. Uh, when Case Keenum decided to sign with the Denver Broncos, so he will be heading under the supervision of John Elway. So that obviously, I pretty much opened the door saying, hey, Case, um, Kirk Cousins is coming. Gets a stupid amount of money. And then you look at the rest of the moves as everybody else jumps ship. Uh, Sam Bradford is also getting paid a crap ton of money to go to the Cardinals. And then Teddy Bridgewater looks like he'll be getting a new start in New York with gangrene. So, Rick, here's my question for you. You got Denver, Arizona, Minnesota, and the Jets all getting a quarterback out of all of this movement. Rank in order from last to first the winners of this movement uh so last uh, would be arizona just because uh sam bradford is so injury prone mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of scary but it is an improvement from what they had he's played two seasons total in the last nine seasons like yeah. like 17 games over the last night like nine seasons and half of those games were in half a year with philly yes and that's not the best, but I mean, he's he also showed that he's still able to throw the ball. Uh, so fair. It's not it's not a horrible horrible start for Arizona because Arizona is still rebuilding. Like they just they let go of uh, Honey Badger. Yeah, and AP's gone too. And AP's well, it has well, was gone. Yeah. Well, AP like that that didn't work out. Yeah. The, like the first week, it was it was like he was AP a young, and then he just went nowhere. But uh, they're in a rebuilding stage, um, and they're not going to win a Super Bowl this year, next year. Maybe they may have a chance in three years down the line. Who knows? At that point, that's kind of hard to predict. Right. But, I mean, it, it is a good starting quarterback uh, for them. Jets, I would say, is second. Um, re reason why is – or second worst or – third i don't know what you want to call it in your order but uh they they signed a quarterback that hasn't played in about two years mm -hmm. also coming off a near career ending injury yes teddy bridgewater did step in and did okay and i think it was the final game like, mm -hmm. or he played a little bit and he yeah. showed he was still able to throw the ball so that's kind of scary i mean arizona and the jets I feel like are in very similar situations with very unknown. Rebuild, yeah. I mean, is Teddy Bridgewater going to be the future of the Jets? I don't know. I still think the Jets are probably looking to sign or yeah, uh, draft a quarterback. Uh, I don't. I think that Teddy Bridgewater may not be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets, but I mean, I think that was a good place for Teddy Bridgewater to go. Um, fresh place. Um, Offense is pretty decent, um, as the, as they showed us last year. I mean, they do have uh, they do have uh, some good receivers there. Yeah. I mean, he Jermaine could be Curse had a great season. I mean, he could be the second string quarterback behind Josh McCown, um, which isn't bad. I mean, for he showed. I mean, Josh McCown, the like the journeyman of all journeymen. Yeah, uh, is very likely, in my opinion, still going to start next year, and then maybe Teddy Bridgewater will start the year after. Who knows? They also added Isaiah Crowell to the backfield. That is true. That is true. I forgot about that. Um, so I, I think the Jets are third. Um, second, 
I would say the Vikings. Um, really now? Yeah, for for the what they had to do to get Kirk Cousins, I feel and the guarantee the hundred percent guaranteed contract. That's kind of scary. I mean, Kirk Cousins, he is a somewhat subpar quarterback. I mean, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. He's never had this good a team to lead. So we'll have to see there. But having to have to give him a 100% guaranteed contract, so that basically means he could have a career-ending injury and they still have to pay him that shit ton of money. Like, that's that's pretty bad, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that is a very but thought. But the... I feel like he is a more competent quarterback right now than both Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford. So I think they're at third. Uh, first, I would give it to the Broncos. Uh, the reason why I would give it to the Broncos is Case Keenum showed like he can show up in tough situations. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's not like he was – I mean, obviously the Eagles ran all over Minnesota. Yeah, and he had, which, was, which was very odd considering uh, – I mean – Eagles had a backup quarter. I mean, he's still a, probably the best ever backup quarterback besides Tom Brady. Ever. Ever. Second best uh, to lead a team to a Super Bowl. Um, but what was I trying to say here? Uh, it's was, not like the game was all on him. It's not no, like he no, went it, in it and was, completely crapped himself. I mean, he had three turnovers, but the one he was hit on, the one pick was a juggle, and they just happened to get underneath it, and then just a strip sack. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... But the fact that he got that team that far... Yeah, but, I mean, I, that also just showed how dominant the Eagles were. So, I mean, that's those are two different things. Uh, I mean, in the first drive, he just completely destroyed it, but then they just fell apart just because they had no momentum. Yeah. So, I would give the Broncos number one for quarterback and signings. Especially, I feel like, with that defense. And the AFC West, it's not like... It's as dominant as we once thought it was a year or two ago. You know, the Raiders took a couple steps back. You know, we'll see what they do with Gruden. The Chiefs have somehow entered a rebuild process, I would say. Obviously, now they're going to have, uh, what's his face, Mahomes yeah. is going to be at quarterback. And they have Kareem Hunt, so they're a young team. But, you know, they got rid of a few key pieces, obviously letting Alex Smith go. Yeah, well, Alex Smith going... I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't have. Uh, well, I mean that that was a few weeks ago, so that makes sense. That's not on this list, but yeah. uh, I mean, Alex Smith was getting old, and they were planning for a long time. They they brought this guy in to be trained underneath Alex Smith, and then to lead. So it's I don't think necessarily they're in a rebuilding stage. Like mm-hmm. I mentally, I think they're improving. Okay. Now is it like it? I mean, only time will tell with that uh, for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, My biggest thing is going to see how to, can Case Keenum do it again with a strong defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, the strong defense, look at where it got him in Minnesota. And, again, not taking away from what he did. He had a great season. Well, also, the Broncos aren't as good defensively as Minnesota. Defense, defensively like they were when they won the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 50? Yep. Yeah, 50. Yeah, Super Bowl 50. Because they, they carried Peyton Manning. But Oh, yeah, they did. But, I mean, they still are a very good defense they're they're definitely nowhere near the bottom of defenses so no but I mean, not at all but but the broncos reason why i give also them the win is because they do have a good offense besides their running game which that's 
that could be something that they're going to improve in the draft. But their offense has great receivers. Oh, yeah. They have great receivers, uh, great tight ends. I mean, they're, they're going to be good in case Keenum knows how to throw a ball. Like, plain and simple, knows how to throw a ball. So, Unlike what they've had over the past few years there. Yeah, where their quarterback struggle was pretty pathetic. Brock Osweiler has made his way to go prove why he's a starting quarterback in Miami, even though he'll be behind Tannehill. Well, I think, wouldn't Miami be drafting a quarterback? They could be, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. A few different moves there. Who knows? Yeah, but... uh, what do you uh what do you think of that? My list. Um I would agree Arizona Arizona is paying Sam Bradford more who has played two seasons combined in the last 9 seasons than the Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles who will be apparently as it seems starting as the backup like you know Carson Wentz is throwing again. Uh, and then I will also agree with you at with the Jets at three, because it is a fresh start for Teddy Bridgewater. You know he's he's obviously you're not going to play over the guy you just gave all this guaranteed money to, and I do feel like he will fit that Jets project of where, again they proved a lot of people, including you and I, wrong this year. Yeah. So you know it's not like Josh McCown is going to be a future answer there because what isn't he going to be forty this year? Yeah. So, or, or is he going to be 40? I think he was 39 this year. Yeah, could be. Huh? So, you know, he's obviously not a long-term answer, so that could open the door for Teddy Bridgewater. And it's not like – tell me the last time Josh McCown played a full season as well. That's a good question. You know? I don't think he's ever have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, probably when he was with the Bears, the second time he was with the Bears. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I'm going to go with he's the gonna Bron- be th- He's going to be 39 this uh, this July. Okay. I already, I already thought he was born July 39. 4th, America. America, heck yeah! Um, I would put the Broncos as second because you know Case Keenum. He is very good. He had a great season, but the reason why I'm putting the Vikings as a winner here, I totally understand where you're coming from with the guaranteed money. Is the Vikings do now have a possible answer that can put them over the hill? No, I don't think anyone saw a Vikings NFC Championship run coming. Unless if, you know, you had made that prediction a while ago based on that their defense was going to carry them. Um, but especially with Case Keenum at the helm. Yeah. It was a crazy year. Case Keenum at the helm got the Vikings to the NFC Championship and Nick Foles out, uh, didn't outgun, but still beat Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. Like, what the heck? He, he, um, he shot some good shots, though. I mean, it's not, yeah. like, it's, not like, it's not like he had a poor Super Bowl performance. No. Like, he had one of the better performances. I mean, Tom Brady had a better one. Yeah, it, that's it's just crazy. And Foles it, can catch better. Yeah, to, yeah, um, that's true. But the back to Kirk Cousins is like you said, Kirk Cousins might finally be getting his chance on a good team. I can't remember the last time I was actually afraid of the Redskins. You, you just know that they're gonna do something to mess things. Probably, up. probably the last time you probably were afraid of the Redskins was when RG three was quarterback, like his first year. Yeah, but. Yeah, exactly. But even still, where did that team go? It's not like I, I couldn't see the Redskins on their Kirk Cousins. I could see them making a playoff push, but couldn't see them being a potential Super Bowl contender. But now with Kirk Cousins, you have a quarterback who, again, really hasn't won that much. 
but again is now given a hell of an offensive line, two great running backs, two great wide receivers, and a great defense behind him. My question is, how is he going to respond to this pressure? Because other than the time he got him to the playoffs when they beat the Eagles a few years ago, when was the last time you can memorably say Kirk Cousins had a great performance in a pressure situation? All eyes are going to be on him and the Vikings this year for the sole fact that he's given all this guaranteed money. He's wanted this chance to go prove himself with a proven team for so long. And has he been able to rise the occasion more times than not? No. Yeah. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how he's going to respond with the spotlight on him with a team that went to the NFC Championship and now has this quarterback that could potentially take them over the hill. But then again, who knows with the NFL, what is the stat that seven, usually it's like five to seven of the 12 teams that make the playoffs fall away? Yeah. And don't make the playoffs the next year, you're going to have a Packers with Aaron Rodgers back. Packers have made some moves of their own, getting Jimmy Graham. You know, I'm not, I'm not like hyped about that though. But I, you still saw what Aaron Rodgers does for that team. Oh yeah, how he tur- completely turns that team from a sub 500 team the, into a NFC the, potential Super Bowl, you know, playing team from that. The NFC that team every is year. the definition on how important the quarterback position is. Yeah, I mean, like you saw once he broke his collarbone against the Vikings last year. He had, like, that team had nothing. I mean, Henley was in over his head. And now they have Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's something. Yeah, definitely. That was a good trade for the Browns. Oh, yeah. We'll be getting into that in a few. Uh, up next, the Legion of Dunn. As the Seahawks have pretty much admitted that they will now be entering a rebuilding stage. Would you call it that? Yeah, 100%. I mean... Well, first off, like like we just said, the at like lending or trading, did they uh, trade or? I don't think I think that they this Jimmy Graham just left. I think he signed. Okay, um, yeah, I should I should know that if I'm gonna talk about this. Uh, well, Jimmy Graham going to the Packers and then at least them not bringing him back. I mean, that's a good start. I mean, Jimmy Graham is good. He he is not the Jimmy Graham of. When he was in, uh, when he was in the Big Easy, yeah. So because you had a Marshawn Lynch run first offense where Jimmy Graham just benefited from Drew Brees in the red zone every single time. Yeah, where that Viking, where that not the Vikings, the Seahawks offense was a run first behind Marshawn Lynch, and guess what? Marshawn Lynch isn't going to run. Russell Wilson is. Yeah. So I that is a very valid statement with his yeah time and in and then I mean uh, and he's he's going to a team that's more uh, that throws a lot more now mm-hmm. or is probably going to be throwing a lot more especially and you've with seen Aaron, Aaron Rodgers on those hail marys he loves finding his tight ends yeah I mean I feel like Jimmy Graham is not like I don't see him catching so many hail marys no but I mean he is thirty one years old uh, that's that's another factor he is old. I mean, that's not necessarily old yet for a uh, tight end like it is old for a running back. But I still feel like in today's NFL, that is starting to get up there in age. Yeah. Yeah. The careers are shorter and shorter for good and bad reasons. Yeah. Um, Richard Sherman goes to his old enemy 
I bet he is so thankful Michael Crabtree isn't on that team anymore. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I, like I don't know how that dynamic would be if they ever got into the same team. Uh, fun, weird enough, Richard Sherman actually negotiated his own contract. He did not have an agent do it. Really? He did the whole thing by himself. Well, that's well. I mean, Richard Sherman is smart. Yeah, I mean, he is. He is very smart. He is. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I can't tell what IQ he has, but he's definitely one of the smartest players in the league. Yeah, and he went and he negotiated his own contract. He didn't want to have an agent representing him. That's interesting. Uh, does Richard Sherman strengthen the 49ers defense enough to make a playoff push? Well, I mean, one, that the 49ers showed that their offense can carry. Especially with Jimmy G. Yes. And I think Richard Sherman to the 49ers is is a plus for the defense. It is a huge is is it like a plus five? No, it's like probably like a plus one. Especially one and a half. Uh, because he's coming off an injury. Yeah. He too is starting to get old. He's been in the league for a little bit, and also the 49ers, I think, were in the low twenties as far as team pass defense last year. Yeah, I know they did. They did not. They had a very low interception. You know turnover rate last year the their past defense certainly wasn't the strongest but i do think possibly the 49ers can get there with that offense and richard sherman obviously is a boost uh it seems like the seahawks aren't going to be as much as a threat you know they still have russell wilson they still have a few good players i mean they, they have they have the rams and how division. are you going to overtake the rams uh well like, i mean the rams have definitely showed that they're not that strong I mean, losing losing in the wild card in the first first wild card. I mean, that's they didn't look strong in that game in at all. LA too. In LA, um, Rams are not a perfect team. I think the 49ers are going to be the division champs. I was about to ask, do you think so? You're going to take the 49ers <coughs> as the division champs. Do you see the Rams as one of those five to seven teams that don't make the playoffs? I can the see following that. I year? can I can 100 percent see that. Why Why would you say that? Uh well, their quarterback situation isn't 100%. I mean, I, I right now it doesn't look like they chose the right quarterback when they when they had that chance 2 years ago. Um their defense, they've let they've let go a cup of a couple people. They brought in some people, but are they necessarily the best? No. Mm-mm. Uh and their receiving core is shoddy at best. Yeah. Uh I mean, their receiver I mean, if they get some receivers in there, that may that may change some things, but I mean, judging off the offense to defense ratio between the 49ers and the Rams, I gotta give it to the 49ers. I I I mean Jimmy G is just so strong, like it's it's still mind baffling that he's not gonna be a Patriot, yeah, or he hasn't been a Patriot, I should say, uh, and not taking over for Tom Brady in like three years. But, I mean, it was time to let him go because he needed to start somewhere because he wasn't going to stay. Yeah, if Tom Brady's going to play. Look at what he's doing now. Yeah, he, I mean, well, he was went 5-0. Oh, yeah, him? when he started, when, when he was a starter there, he went 5-0. and oh. he, he went in halfway uh, during the one game, but they were being blown out, but he still played great in that one game. So, I mean, uh, 49ers are going to be the NFC West champs this coming year. Hot take. Spicy hot take. And then lastly... Off-field distractions aside, after he apparently assaulted a 66-year-old woman at the Super Bowl, 
Where is Michael Bennett's place in Philadelphia? I mean, right now it could be in a prison and not in Philadelphia, yeah, <laughs> not on the other side of the country. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm never. I I haven't been a fan of the Bennett brothers for years. I don't think a lot of people have. Yeah, I mean, I I I get. Like you want to voice your opinion, but you don't have to be such an asshole when you do it. And I'm, I'm so tainted by that. Wasn't it proven that when he filed a complaint about the police officers assaulting him in Las Vegas, that nothing really happened? The video showed that he was just he he was on the ground handcuffed. Yeah, that was it. And he he cried that he was being assaulted, and the reason why he was put in handcuffs was so the police can control the situation, where if he if he wasn't in handcuffs, it could. I'm not saying him. But other people there could have gotten out way out of hand because they needed they needed to do that to mm-hmm. make sure that the safety of the police officers, but the safety of the people that aren't even involved around them were okay. So like it was complete bullshit, and it was poor on him. He just wanted to jump on the anti-cop bandwagon yeah. that's going around, and now he looks like he's going to be on the other side after apparently assaulting a security guard. I don't. Was she security or was she like an usher? See, so that's the thing. I didn't because actually she, watch she's the that speech, old? but they're saying that there's a lot of holes in the prosecution against him. Like someone put up a picture of like the prosecution's case against Michael Bennett, and it was a picture of Swiss cheese. Yeah. Well, I mean that's classic, but yeah. Uh like it. Yeah, I, I feel like there's that's. I feel like that's not going to go anywhere, and he's going to be playing in Philly and. If anything happens, it will be selling out court, in my opinion. Yeah. Where this person's going to get paid just so he, he doesn't get sued and or arrested. Yeah. So I think that's probably the best way he should handle this because, I mean, he can afford it, no doubt. And so now, legal issues aside, where is his going to be his place in Philadelphia on that defensive line? Uh, Probably, like, first and second down he'll play and then mm-hmm. third and – Third and fourth. Because he is old. Yeah. And I will say this with Philadelphia. He is old. And you have a – you already had one of the best defensive lines in the NFL in that Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But I see him as a rotation. Like if he had to be – If he he had to be a four-down lineman, I could totally see the experiment not working out as well. Yeah. But I think the fact that he's going to be able to rotate in and out with the likes of um, Brandon Graham, who's going to get to go in and out with Chris Long, uh, Nigel Bradham sometimes goes down at the end. Like, there's a whole lot of different, you know, looks that I think he's going to rotate. So lastly, it was fun while it lasted. What are your thoughts on the Legion of Boom, RIP 2018? Uh, I mean, they were fun when they were good for those, like, two years. But then they started falling apart. And the holes were shown so much. Um, and it seemed like the the people of Seattle were tired of them, almost. With them, like, throwing crap on the field after they're running off and other crap like that. Because they had so many, um, there were so many personalities yeah, in the and, lead between Rich Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. We obviously learned when he went to Philadelphia that Byron Maxwell was the weakest link in the Legion of Boom. Yeah, uh, no, I I understand that, but I mean, they it was it's like a folk story in the NFL. Like they'll probably do like a 
Uh, like uh, an NFL they'll, films on there? definitely be a 30 for 30. Um, maybe not. I mean, it, d- does that deserve a 30 for 30? I mean, it would be, it would, it's a good story. A like, 30 for 30 short. Yeah, probably a 30 for 30 short. I'd, that'd be fine with me. But, like, it, it was good. Um, would I ever call them a dynasty? No. Like, I mean, just the team in general or just the defense in general. So what was it? They beat Denver and lost to New England in their two Super Bowls, right? Yeah, I mean, they should have won against New England. I, I feel like they were around for so much longer than just those two Super Bowls, but they never got the job done. Yeah, it was it was like a more successful version of the Fab Five. Yes. like That's, that's a very good comparison. That that's That's the way I see it. They were kind of like the Fab Five of of the NFL, that defense. And when when they were good, they were good, but then they just fell apart and personalities got in the way and injuries got in the way and they got old and people were able to break through the cracks. So it was it was good when it when it worked, but then it just didn't work. Yeah. So I mean that's like I said, they're they're just a more successful version of the Fab Five. Very, very bold statement there. I, yeah. I like that comparison a lot. Uh, next, Bird Gang, defending Super Bowl champion. Center of the football universe, let me hear you bark a little. <laughs> the underdogs have already started making some of their moves. Here are some of their offseason moves. Obviously, as we just talked about, they traded for Michael Bennett, and they also traded Torrey Smith to Carolina for Daryl Worley. Mm-hmm. They have signed Corey Nelson from Denver. They got ha- Halotai Ngata. I knew his last name. First name is tough. Uh, from Detroit. And then they also signed Mike Wallace from the Ravens recently to a one-year deal. And they also re-signed Nigel Bradham. Mm-hmm. Those are the gains. Now, here are the losses. Brent Selleck, eagle for life. You know, that's going to be a tough loss. Trey Burton, who had a touchdown throw in the Super Bowl. Torrey Smith who kind of he was good for like one deep catch a game and he had a pretty good postseason but again well they're replacing him they're replacing Torrey Smith with Mike Wallace yeah in that in that aspect yeah um Patrick Robinson who had the turnaround pick six against the Vikings and then also LeGarrette Blunt is leaving as well so goodbye to the train first off before we get into the bigger question here Obviously, you get Michael Bennett and Ngata to already a defensive line that has Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Chris Long, uh, Bo Allen had left, but this defensive line was already stacked enough as it was. How do you, where do you rank this Eagles defensive line as far as the other defensive lines in the NFL with the additions of Ngata and uh, Michael Bennett? Um, I mean, like I. It'd be too easy for me to say that they're the best, and they're da- if the, if they're not, they're damn close. Because mm-hmm. I can't really think of another defensive line that's just as dominant. Uh, how they're dominant, so they probably are are the best. But I mean, I don't know if it's similar to because, the, uh, similar to Legion of Boom. I don't know how long it's gonna last. Because and also to be fair. Even though Ngata and Michael Bennett are solid pickups, I think they have six Pro Bowls between the two of them. They've been around the league for a while as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard for Michael Bennett because I mean, there's only so many players that can from a team that can go to to a Pro Bowl, 
And, I mean, in that one Pro Bowl, I mean, they had pretty much the whole secondary was the Seahawks, yeah. Yeah, the Seahawks of the Legion of Boom. So, I, I, he's, he's a good pickup. But he's definitely not the Michael Bennett of past. Definitely not. So, I would agree I mean, with you on that. Again, so that's he is why a, he is a I perfect rotation guy. He's going to be a perfect rotation guy. Same with Ngata. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a perfect rotation guy. And now I've read to you some of the additions, mainly defensively, also picking up Corey Nelson, trading for Darrell Worley. It, where do you rank this Eagles team as far as their ability right now to defend their first ever Super Bowl title? Um... It's it's very high. I I mean that's there's no doubt about that. I mean, if Carson Wentz is healthy, I mean he'll I mean he'll be a better quarterback than Nick Foles is. Mm-hmm. But I mean Nick Foles did a great job, obviously. And this but, is my prediction with Foles. Yeah, I truly believe they're going to hold on to Foles. And I think if they if they're going to make a move on Foles, what they're going to do is they're going to wait until the first few weeks of the season and see if any quarterbacks go down with injury, and then say, "Hey, we've got Nick Foles. You need a starting quarterback. What do you want to give us?" Because they did field some options, but they weren't to what Philadelphia truly wanted. But I can totally see them holding on to him till till the season starts and then waiting to see if any teams decide that they need a quarterback because of an injury, someone goes down. He's gonna be he's going to be trade bait for the whole year. Yeah. I mean one hundred percent, but also it has to be to the right team. Because obviously We've he is learned, a system quarterback. hundred percent. He is a system quarterback. So if you put him in a system that is completely different than the Eagles system. Disclaimer is Jeff Fisher system does not work. Yes. I mean that's it 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 nearly worked one time mm-hmm. and that was like that loss in the Super Bowl is his highlight. Yeah. Which one is which isn't yard, great, but sure. <laughs> but uh I mean the the loss of Brent Selleck, that's that's gonna be hard. And, and Trey I'm, Burton as well, because they Trey do Burton, have one of the better tight ends in the NFL with Zach Ertz, who had a phenomenal year. Yeah, and I think Zach Ertz really took hold of that of the first tight end, mm-hmm. like the T one, that was definitely Ertz. Uh, Brent Selleck was just a solid number two. And he had uh, been around forever. It's just, you know, like yeah. the Eagles had a long statement saying, you know, it's, it's the NFL, it's business. Yeah, and then Trey Burn, like that's not that's not a huge loss. <coughs> he had a Excuse few me. big catches, but again, you know, the third tight end. Yeah, Torrey Smith. I mean, that's. That that is that's replaceable and, and I mean, already replaced with Mike Wallace and also too much, when yeah. we brought him in it was with the intention of Alshon at number one Jordan Matthews at two him at three and then obviously we traded Jordan Matthews to Buffalo to get Ronald Darby but I know I say this so much on this podcast but who in the hell saw Nelson Aguilar having the turnaround season that he did yeah I mean that pushed Torrey Smith back into a three spot yeah and then. I mean, Mike Wallace is going to be the three spot there. I mean, he's he's an older quarterback, or no, I'm sorry, receiver. So I mean, he's definitely going to, he'll probably stay at the number three spot with the rotation that they have there at, at wide receiver right now. And plus, from some of the latest uh, draft uh, draft boards, it looks like the Eagles are probably going to get get a wide receiver. They are also apparently heavily scouting um, Michelle. And Chubb, Nick Chubb from Georgia, mm. as another running back. I mean, that I mean, if they got Chubb, that'd be that'd be pretty solid. Then you're that, gonna have Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, and Nick Chubb. 
Yeah, I mean, Chubb would be the replacement for, for Blount. Yeah. Blunt, whatever. Uh, Blunt force trauma. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, with with the losses, they brought in good people. And, I mean, Brent Selleck, Trey Burns, Torrey Smith, Patrick Robinson, Blount. Like, they're, they're, they're easily replaceable. I would say they're the not biggest the loss there, other than Blunt, would probably be Patrick Robinson. Because yeah. he really came into his own this year. He, he he did. And, I mean, he, he left for a good reason, in my opinion. Because, I mean, he's going to get more playing time. Yeah. So, like, I... I I can see I can see him succeeding wherever he goes, but I mean that that's definitely the biggest loss there. I mean everything else is replaceable. I mean even Patrick Robinson is replaceable. Yeah. I mean that your your defense the, the the Eagles defense is, is so stacked not just on the line. Um, they their secondary isn't necessarily the best, but it's pretty good. It's a hell of a lot better than the old days. Yes. So I the every, everything Bradley there. Fletcher. <laughs> everything there His is... His nickname was Lil Toast because he always got burned. Yeah, everything there is replaceable. So, like, it's... It, like, if Eagles did all these trades or lost all these guys and signs, uh, all these guys, it's it's fine. They're going to get they're gonna get draft picks. I mean, they're, they're 32nd draft pick. But, I mean, they're... Where are they? Or did they trade up? They're 32nd. Yeah, they're 32nd. I didn't think they traded up. Uh, but they're they're gonna get players. It's not gonna be a big deal for them. And let's go from thirty second to one. But first, how about the Cleveland Browns? And again, it's been a little bit because of our weather and snowstorms here. Um, trading for Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor, and Demarius Randall. Is this the sign of brighter days in Cleveland? Um, yeah. I mean, first off, I mean Jarvis Landry. I don't think they've had that caliber of receiver there in forever. And so, he's also going to be paired up now with um, Josh Gordon. Yes. And jo- if yeah. he could stay on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think Josh Gordon is going to stay on the field. I, I, I can't see him screwing up again. But uh, And they also now have possibly a quarterback who could throw the ball to them. Because when they got Jarvis Landry, he's like, all right, great. Deshaun Kyle is going to throw him the ball. But now you got Tyrod Taylor. Which Tyrod Taylor is still a... I mean, not still. He he's a decent quarterback. He's he's like in the same same area for me as like Kirk Cousins, just a cheaper version and can run better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tyrod Taylor is definitely another some. I I should say more similar to Arizona with with the Bradford trade, like more of like just just there to keep the ship afloat type type position. Yeah. Because, I mean, they very well, I mean, when their drafts come up, I mean, me personally, we I think they should take Saquon first. So, yeah, you're getting into my next question because the Jets moved up to number three. Yeah. They gave away a hell of a lot to move up to number three. So what that's going to do to Cleveland is you either take Saquon, and if they had wanted to draft, say, like, Darnold or Allen or Rosen, whoever it is they wanted, or um, Mayfield, you could probably you're probably not going to lose out on that quarterback. Yeah. But then you could take that quarterback first. But then I I can't see more so the Giants who have an anemic running game passing on Saquon Barkley. It's Sa- Saquon is so dominant. It, like it just like it it's it, ma- just, it makes sense both wild. ways. Like it's it's almost like they can't go wrong here. Which, 
I mean, it's the Browns. They could definitely go wrong, but on paper, it like, I feel like they can't go wrong here. Either they're going to get their potential franchise quarterback or they're going to get their potential franchise running back. Like, there's no wrong answer. Like, if they if they pick the quarterback first, like, that would make perfect sense to me. Because, I mean, they also have it the fourth the fourth pick as well. Or, they have the fourth pick as well. So, I could see them waiting till the fourth pick to pick a quarterback. Because, I mean, if they Passing get... Passing on Saquon would be the most Brownsy move of all time. But, like, it, but in like I'm saying, it's it's not. Sa- they, I think it would be. I like I. I think they should take Saquon first, but I also don't think if they pick a quarterback first, they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong. Like neither neither way, I'm looking at this. Neither way, they are going to be wrong with what they pick, which is could be the first time ever. That's a big could. It's a big could. A very big could. <laughs> I because I mean Saquon may not even be good, in in I mean that's that's a far stretch. I, I mean, like I don't. He's just an athletic freak. Like I, I don't see him being bad, necessarily. I mean the the Browns line. I mean they did lose Thomas to retirement, mm-hmm. but I mean it's not horrible. Yeah, and Saquon I think could could be this like part of the ship turning there, but also at the same time with these quarterbacks that are in the draft right now, I don't see them being a bad pick either. Because this, the caliber of quarterbacks in this draft may be better of the caliber of quarterbacks were that were in the RG three Luck, Russell Wilson draft, Kirk Cousins draft. Um, I think, I think they should. I, I keep saying this. I think they should take take Saquon, but they take a quarterback that wouldn't be surprising to me. All right. So, you heard it here first, and by the way, before we move on, a uh, funny thing was on St. Patrick's Day, the Vikings tweeted, it's never a good day to wear green, which, by the way, then the Eagles then replied and retweeted that tweet to the Vikings with a picture of Kirk Cousins in his Michigan State green. Hmm. Roasted. So, you can tell us what you think of our picks with the NFL on the Wide Open underscore sports Twitter feed, and then you could also find us again on SoundCloud at Wide Open Sportscast, and make sure that you can subscribe to us on iTunes as well, because our podcast is going to go straight to your phone, and you can use this for your morning commute, something to fall asleep to at night, or you just want to hear two guys ramble on about sports, because you're just in one of those moods. Um, up next, March Madness. And man, has there been some madness. Uh, there's no other way to start this storyline off than probably the most remarkable victory in college basketball as the University of Maryland at Baltimore County Retrievers not only beats Rick, not only beats, but clobbers Virginia by 20 and becomes the first 16 seed in college basketball, the modern tournament era, to defeat a one seed. Uh, there's no words to describe it. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, when, when we, so we were at uh, Killarney's, we were watching the game, and when we saw it was tied at halftime, we're like, ah, oh, it's whatever, you know. It was nice to see. And then UNBC was up like six or seven early in the half, and it was like, ah, oh, Virginia's got that defense. They're going to stop them. And even when UNBC was up like 12 midway through, I was like, eh, Virginia will get stops. Like, you know, it'll come. Then they were up like 16 with four minutes to go, and you're like, oh, it's actually going to happen. Even to the point the DJ at the bar was like, 
Yeah, if you're not looking at a TV, you should be looking at a TV. Yeah. That, that was pretty funny. Uh, so, Rick, Retriever Nation, which, by the way, this is that small of a school. They're actually, their number one sport is men's lacrosse. They're a very successful uh, lacrosse program. Um, they did not trademark hashtag Retriever Nation. Put it on shirts or anything. It wasn't trademarked. So after the win... They had to apply for the copyrights for Retriever Nation before anyone else took it. Ooh. Is this the greatest upset in college basketball history? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely up there. It probably is. I, I mean, fucking ruined my bracket because I had Virginia winning the dance, but <laughs> my one bracket at least. Yeah. But, like, I, it probably is. I, 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 can't, I can't argue with that. Were you more impressed with how well UMBC played or how awful Virginia's number one defense played? Because they really let the game get away at the end. UMBC looked, was just chucking up some shots and it was just like, oh, wow, that went I, in. I, I mean, I'm more, I'm more surprised how awful uh, Virginia played. I know that losing the sixth man of the year was a big loss for them, but not that big of a loss. Yeah. And that you lose to a 16 seed that half the people were like, where's this school? Yeah, exactly. And we have no, we had no idea at the time what UMBC stand, stood for. I, I only knew because of lacrosse. That was, that was the only reason why I knew. But we were there trying to take our guesses. Like, what the heck? I always say the rules, if you lose to a college that has, like, three or four names like that, like when um, Michigan State lost to Middle Tennessee, and it's like these schools are like, what? Or, uh, obviously, Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah was one on there. Uh, even though UMBC did lose in the next round to Kansas State, can you put this team down in NCAA tournament folklore with the likes of the George Masons and the VCUs and the Davidsons who made these magical runs to the Final Four, besides for Davidson who lost in the Elite Eight in the Steph Curry era, can you put UMBC in the same Cinderella fairy tale stories with those teams? Um, Probably not. I'd... I mean, it's 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 definitely a highlight of this year's tournament, and this year's tournament has just been great. But I I I don't know. I I couldn't put it there because I mean they, the next game they got they got taken out pretty yeah. easily. I so, think they I mean, lost by like ten. Yeah, it was close for a little bit. Yeah, I mean that they, they showed some potential there, but I mean no, I I I couldn't put them in that. I don't know if you could, but no, I. I, obviously, it's a great story. It's going to be probably one of the most memorable college basketball games of all his, of all time. But when you look at the runs that George Mason and VCU made to the Final Four, and Davidson just barely missing out on it with Steph Curry, it, those it's it's tough enough to win one, but to win four and get to the Final Four is you know that's a, I think that's a much tougher task. Uh, speaking of teams on the cusp of Final Four that you probably had no idea where they are from, Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago have continued their miracle run. They are in the Elite Eight, and they will be playing against Kansas State. They have beaten Miami, the sixth seed, Tennessee, the three seed, and again, because this tournament is so kooky, Nevada, the seventh seed, who completed a 22-point comeback against Cincinnati they beat those three teams by a combined four points on clutch shots in the last ten seconds of a game. Yeah. 
Um, where do you rank their current run against those George Masons, VCU's, Davidsons? Uh, that this this story is more like that. Mm-hmm. Like Sister com- Jean's divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, didn't didn't she have them in in her bracket? One of her brackets. They had, had them, she had them losing in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting. She writes notes to them before every game and even does like some scouting for them. Hmm, interesting. As a nun. Well, I mean I mean I don't know. I mean nuns can watch basketball. What's wrong with that? Well yeah, no. My, what, what's wrong with my, that? No, I'm saying nothing. It's just crazy. She's a, she she's a ninety something year old nun who's, you know, the rally point of this team. There's nothing wrong with it. My priest uh made the closing hymn to church the day before the Super Bowl on Eagles Wings. <laughs> so um but i definitely think that's an awesome story there we're gonna see how they do against kansas state tonight as they look to book their story um keep their story book continuing not coming to a close uh if they lose tonight to kansas state where do you rank them as far as george mason vcu who made the final four do you put uh, them in that same sentence um i mean i would definitely put george mason George Mason was easily, easily the craziest one. I feel like that was like the original run with yeah. George Mason. Yeah, I, I mean, it, would I put them like side by side? No, I would put this one in the back if they lose tonight, and I, I can't see them being Kansas State. I mean, Kansas State isn't necessarily the best program right now. It that's in the uh, Elite Eight right now. But Kansas State also be arguably the best team left on that side of the bracket in Kentucky. That is true. Who That's... is literally gifted a road to the final four. Yeah. Was get was like giving it in a hand like a hand basket with a little bow and tie on it. Like, hey, you want to go to the final four? But uh as Coach Calipari said, he didn't want his kids to drink the poison that they had a gift into the final four, but they did and they were defeated by Kansas State and they were eliminated in a bracket which where number one Virginia, number two Cincinnati, number three um, Tennessee, and number four Arizona all lost. Yeah, I mean, I I'm gonna say this right now, and you're not gonna like this because I mean, today both Kansas State is playing Loyola and uh, F- Florida State is playing Michigan. Go blue. Uh, I I can see Florida State beating Michigan mm-hmm. more than I can see Kansas State losing to Loyola Chicago. Hmm. I I could Hot see, take. I could see that more than than Loyola winning this. All right. I I just don't see it. We'll we'll get into Michigan in a second, but Rick, uh, first off, what do you make of Kentucky leaving the court without handshakes? Uh, Calipari said it was no disrespect. Well, what did you what did you make of that? Uh, I mean, it's it's tradition. It's a typical uh, Calipari move, in my opinion. Yeah, it's tradition. I don't I don't necessarily I don't like. In a way, it's not necessarily should uh, should be a set in stone thing. Handshakes. I mean, if if you should do it, you should do it. There's no rule against it. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily hate it, but also at the same time, I mean, I mean, you you are sharing this moment with this other team. I mean, yes, you just lost, but your team proved a lot to get that far. I mean, at least embrace where you were at. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there's, I think they should, but I mean, I also don't hate them for it. Um, 
Is this the most disappointing Kentucky team under the Calipari era? Yes. They had some serious losing streaks, and obviously, again, we the, were they were about, so streaky. They were gifted a road into the Final Four. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, they they couldn't. I mean, you you say they're gifted, but they were so streaky during the year. Like, it's no surprise to me that they they fell off. Yeah. Um. To to Kansas, but I mean, what are you gonna do? Uh, next, the Wolverines, baby. After a miracle shot by Jordan Poole helped them beat Houston, they run all over Texas A&M, and they will be, again, playing Florida State tonight. Florida State, who stunned, uh, had already had stunned Xavier. Is it a tragedy if this Michigan team doesn't reach a national championship? Given that, on this side of the bracket, the remaining teams, Florida State, 9 seed. Kansas State, 9 seed. Loyola, Chicago, 11 seed. Um, would I call it a, a tragedy? No, because, I mean, this, 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 whole, this whole March Madness has shown that, like, anything is possible. Because, I mean, yes, I mean, it's, it's like, it's comparing, uh, I mean, uh, what is it? Michigan is the third seed. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in a way, the ninth seed is so close. Like that, anything is this. It, anything is possible in this. So, would it be a tragedy? No. I mean, I know you may you you would probably get upset because you're a Come Michigan on. fan, but I wouldn't consider it a tragedy. You would consider it a tragedy. Yeah, definitely. I I would not. Dude, Mo Wagner is so good. Yeah. The only thing I could still see being a downfall for this Michigan team is their free throwing. They shoot like sixty something percent from the free throw line. Yeah, and that's, that that's usually that usually makes a difference in these types of games. But again, Florida State, like Texas A and M, they said Florida State is a team very similar to A and M, but they are also like A and M, so streaky. A lot of people didn't pick Florida State because they had lost like four of their last five games of the season. No one had picked them to make it this far. But again, as you just said, this tournament has been a little crazy. Uh, looking at some of the other matchups that had occurred, obviously Kansas and Bill Self, they continue their run, defeating Clemson 80-76. to uh, Nova, I'd actually pick Nova to lose to West Virginia, but they struggled with press Virginia in the beginning and then ended up winning by 12. Rick, what are your opinions on this Nova team? Are they going to go all the way? Uh, I think they're the, the, they have eight players that can score. Uh, they they are Spellman looked good last night. Yes, he looked really good. Um, I think they're the most complete team out of anyone that is left. Um, probably the second most complete team would be Kansas, third Duke. Like the those are pretty complete and teams. Jalen Brunson dropping over twenty. Yeah, I mean also Mikhail Bridges. Like this, this is a very deep Nova team. I I think it would be more of a tragedy at this point if. Villanova doesn't win the dance. Granted that they do have an elite eight matchup with Texas Tech, who beat a hostless Purdue. Yeah, that was shocking. Like I, how, I had had how, Purdue. how Purdue how Purdue looked at, during that game. Uh, like I mean, the score they only lost by eight points, but they look they were struggling. Uh, they the lost time. by thirteen total. Thirteen total. Yeah, it was seventy-eight sixty-five. Texas Tech. Won. Oh, I'm sorry. Seventy. Oh, I thought it was seventy-three. But still, 
like Purdue had looked so good. Even during the regular season, there were moments you're like, oh my god. Well, but they said the, their weakness was injuries. Haas. But I mean, they were injured too. I mean, I, I I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised. Purdue was the most beaten up game or team at this point. Right. Yeah. So they said the doctor had the team doctor literally spent twenty four hours and was working around the clock on how to try and get Haas's elbow healthy. Yeah. But they that ends as a loss. And then the last Elite Eight matchup, uh the Dukies defeat Syracuse in the game of zones. Sixty nine sixty five, the game that went over Sweet the 16. spread. Sweet 16, not, Sweet not 16. Elite 8. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Sweet 16, the game of zones where the, the line was like 130 points or something like that. They said both teams are going to be very – it's going to be a low-scoring game because of Syracuse's traditional zone and Duke changing from zone to man. Uh, Rick, your matchups are uh, Loyola, Chicago, and Kansas State. Who are you going to pick? Uh, Kansas State. I am gonna go with Loyola, Chicago. You're you're keeping with the dream, Sister Jean, Divine Intervention. Um, I already know your pick, but I am going to go with the Maize and Blue over the Seminoles. Uh, uh no, no, no. I'm I'm picking Michigan to win this. Atta boy. I'm, but I, I was what I was saying. I would not be surprised if, if Florida, Florida State won. Yeah. I like that. That would not shock me at all. So you're gonna go with the Maize and Blue. There's a reason why we're such good friends. Um, Texas Tech or Nova? Nova. Yeah, Nova. And then the Blue Blood matchup that this tournament honestly deserved. With all these upsets, it would kind of like we needed a showdown of Titans. And it's going to be number one Kansas and number two Duke. Who are you taking? Uh, Duke. I'm going to take Duke as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, I, I think I just like Duke better. I mean, Kansas is probably more dominant. But I just like Duke. But better. Marvin Bagley, when he's healthy, he is near unstoppable. Yeah, that is true. He's a very, very good player. When Duke is in their groove, they're a hard team to beat. Uh, so Rick, last question: Is this tournament the wildest tournament of all time, or is this this another March Madness tournament? Um, I don't, I, I can't really say if, if it's the wildest, but it's been wild. Yeah. So I, I I would say it's more wildest. Than... What do you think would have to happen for this to be the wildest tournament of all time? <laughs> I mean, Other I, than Loyola Chicago, I mean that that's title. that's 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 what would have to happen. It would have to be Loyola Chicago versus, I guess at this point Texas Tech because yeah, uh, that would just be like I don't know. The other side of the bracket is just so loaded. Yeah. Because you have Loyola, Chicago, Kansas State, Florida State, and Michigan against, on the other side of the bracket, Nova, Texas Tech, Duke, and Kansas. Uh, the, like, the only other way, like, in, like, an equal equal across the board is if, like, all four of these matchups go into overtime mm-hmm. right, or, or some of them go into overtime. If Loyola College wins, two of these go into overtime, and then the bat like the battle that we want between Kansas and Duke happen, like just the like the amazing battle that you put it up to, the battle of the, the Titans there, like that that would make this probably one of the wildest of all time. One hundred percent. Alright. If if those if those things happen, I don't necessarily think that's gonna happen because I I fear I fear that the Kansas Duke one, someone's just gonna get blown out, and just just the way that this tournament is going, 
they're they're the most evenly matched teams against each other, no doubt. But I feel like one of these teams is just going to get blowed out. It's like not going to be a good game. Uh, I I also fear that with Chicago, um, Villanova, Texas Tech. I I can see Villanova. I mean, I I'm expecting Villanova to just to win this overall. The the tournament overall. They at this do point. look very good. Yeah, because they're like I said, they're the most complete team left in this tournament. Um. I'm kind of indifferent about Florida State, Michigan. Like that's that's the Michigan's of, of, of defense the, is great. Their of offense the, got hot, but again, I just feel like they're free throwing. Of, of the four back. of the four games that are left, that would be the one that I would not be willing to watch. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but I that'd be the one I wouldn't be really watching. But we'll we'll have to see. Mm. Yeah. All right, so um, that is our take on some madness of March, and that's going to lead right into our questionable call of the week. We are obviously seeing the divine intervention of Sister Jean. So my question this week, Rick, is this. If you had to give me your top sport celebrity cult heroes... Like, the celebrities, the people that you know are on the sidelines of every game, such as Sister Jean is there for the Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago. I will give you time to think as I go through my three. First, one of my top three has got to be Bradley Cooper. The weekend, bud, Nick. I don't know you. You do not exist. Obviously, being an Eagles fan, uh, he was in a movie about the Eagles, for God's sake, uh, and he was the star in it. Uh, he was watching the Super Bowl in the owner's box with Jeffrey Laurie. I just think that, like, you know, that is true dedication to the cause. And also, it's a little bit of my Eagles bias there. I was very disappointed he was not at the Super Bowl. Second, you mean the parade? The parade. Yeah, the Super Bowl parade. Way to finish my sentence. You're welcome. Secondly, Jack Nicholson. Here's Johnny. Who is an avid Lakers fan and is through by them and with them through the thick and thin probably the most famous there's always a lot of celebrities at lakers games but my number one cult hero in sports as far as celebrities has to go to none other than the man the myth the legend bill murray god damn it bill fucking murray it's miller time and the chicago cubs yeah. His shirt, I ain't afraid of no goats. Is <laughs> just that that's just classic. Uh but those three guys they're they're there for their team through everything, thick and thin. I just Bill Mur- uh Bill Murray's got me number one. Not only for the fact that it's Bill Murray, but his dedication to the Cubbies. I'm wasn't he was a big part of their celebration too, right? In some way. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was on the field and stuff. Yeah. He was able to actually get a part of the celebration, unlike Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, that was just so funny with Kevin Hart. Who are your three? Okay, so my number three is probably Matthew McConaughey with the Longhorns. All right, all right, all right. Uh, with mostly the football team, but, I mean, he's also been a part of other sports teams there. But just in general, like, that's his all monitored and – he is so he's he's been there giving so many motivational speeches to them, uh, like the best way that Matthew McConaughey can. Oh, only how he can. Uh, number two, um, this one's I feel like it's newer, uh, but I I see it a lot. 
Uh, Mark Wahlberg with the Patriots, also with the Boston Celtics, but the, I would say the Patriots more. Mm-hmm. It's a bad time, Bob. And then number one, I mean, I there's I I don't think anything can top this. Spike Lee with the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, they even made a thirty for thirty, which he was a huge part of, which he was involved in. See, most of the reason I didn't pick Spike Lee is that I just don't like Spike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's fair, but I mean, he I mean, is great. I mean, that's. I don't like him, but he is great. Oh, no. Come on, I'm a recovering Brooklyn Nets fan. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, but I mean, his antics be... I, I, when was, a, was there a stat on the last time he missed a Knicks game? I, I would have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't picture the Knicks without Spike Lee. You know, the, the Knicks, once Spike Lee leaves... If the Knicks ever get out of this hole that they're in, if Spike Lee leaves, and that would be the end of the Knicks. Yeah. They should move towns. Yeah. They should get the hell out of New York City. The Knicks should go to Brooklyn, and the Nets should go to Manhattan. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but, I mean, this, if Spike Lee leaves, I don't think he ever will. But if he did, that would just be tremendous. Because I could just see the ESPN reports, the Fox Sports 1 reports, Spike Lee cancels his season tickets. Season tickets. That would be wild. Yeah, it, man. That would be the official death of the New York Knicks. Yeah. So, you can give us your top three list at wideopen underscore sports on Twitter. See if you got anyone that can be our three. And with that, let's get into this week's final drive. Presented by Betty Hop's Home Brewing. Um, so, 82 days until the World Cup, people. 82 days from today, the day we're recording. Saturday, March 24th. Am I correct? Yes. On the bottom of your screen. The hooligans of the English national footy team have celebrated this by standing on top of bridges in Amsterdam and they proceeded to pour beer all over the boaters who were on the rivers before their World Cup friendly warm-up game with the Netherlands. 100 England fans were arrested in the Netherlands this weekend. But they literally began it by standing on top of, you know, all the rivers in uh, Amsterdam and they stood on top of the bridges and poured beer over the people as they went under the bridge in their boats. Uh, England went on to win that 1-0. What you got next? Uh, what I got next is, uh, what we don't talk about a lot with this podcast. I'd like to talk about it a little bit more if we could. WWE. Daniel Bryan has been finally cleared to wrestle, to be in-ring and wrestle again. Uh, he has been a character on SmackDown for WWE for so long, but he's finally cleared to wrestle again. He, uh, showed that he still kind of has it with, like, a little, little, uh, rivalry between him and... Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, last Tuesday, but I mean Daniel Bryan is back, and that is exactly what the WWE needs. Uh, I just hope they do it right and have him be successful again. What you got next? Up next, Ump Tom Hallion put on a show in spring training in a game between the Tigers and the Phillies and ejected five different people from a spring training game was literally just like you're gonna argue this call up you're out <laughs> teaching the prospects don't mess with the arms. uh this next one i'll let you take and i'll take the one after that 
Uh, this next one, uh, Kyrie Irving uh, finds out that he's going to need knee surgery around the same time of his birthday. Yep, it was literally his birthday present. You need knee surgery. I think they announced he's going to be out three to six weeks. Yeah, which is pretty... Uh, it's a big hit for Boston, especially with the playoffs right around the corner. Pretty bad. What you uh, what you got next? Uh, up next, we have Zlatan. Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be leaving Manchester United and will be joining the LA Galaxy and will be the latest European soccer star to come to America. He announced it by taking out an entire full-page ad in the LA Times writing a letter to the city that said, Dear Los Angeles, you're welcome. Love Zlatan. <laughs> That's it. So Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be joining the MLS's most successful franchise with the most titles. Uh, it should be very interesting to see him in America. So it is not Zlatan Welcome to America, it is America Welcome to Zlatan. Nice. Uh, next, what you got? I got Dwight Howard drops an incredible 30-30 game as the Hornets complete a 22-point comeback against the Brooklyn Nets. 30 rebounds, 30 points. And the Nets are tanking for no reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They, they were beating the I, Raptors I, I, last night, too, and they lost to the Raptors. I wouldn't say it's just tanking. I just think they suck. Yeah. They're, they're pretty bad. Alan, when, when Alan Crabb is your franchise all-time leader in three-point shots made in the season, you're not very good. He hit even more than DC3, Kerry Kittles, Kendall Gill. I don't care what anyone tries to do. There's going to be no triple-double king on that team other than Jason Kidd ever again. Uh, and also sick with the NBA, the Sacramento Kings played a game in front of a small crowd behind closed doors after the fatal shooting of a Sacramento man by the police was being protested in the surrounding area. DeMarcus Cousins has offered to pay for the funeral. Oh, that was nice. That's, I mean, that's sad, but that's also nice of him. Uh, big hockey one, Max. This one, I don't know if you saw this. This one was pretty funny. Yeah, Cam Ward of the Carolina Hurricanes scores a goal scores the goal of the season after the puck got stuck in his goalie gear, proceeds to skate into goal not knowing that the puck was in his goalie gear. And he scored. And I he think scored. it was like in the back of his leg pad. Own goal. And he just literally skated in and the puck was, it was literally stuck in the back of his skate and he put the puck in by himself. And then they called a goal and then he was like, why? And he shook his leg pad and saw the puck come out. It was like, huh. Okay. <laughs> And then lastly, a little bit of tennis drama. Uh, Danili Medvedev, who is a famous guy in tennis for yelling at refs, had to stop a tennis match in the Miami Open because he had to go take a poop. <laughs> um, he needed his emergency toilet break during the second set. And then his opponent, Tisipius, also needed a poop break. But it was much shorter. He just had to probably go take a pee. Uh, but after that, he hit it and it hit off like the top of the net, which like hits up the like you know messes the groove up with the tennis player. And then apparently it's tennis etiquette that if you hit the top of the net, you apologize to the other player because you probably won the point. He didn't say sorry. Uh, Medvedev demanded an apology. He didn't say anything. And then after the match, they were talking, and his first response to his opponent was quote unquote shut the fuck up. 
Beautiful. And proceeded to curse out his opponent. Beautiful. For taking a toilet break. I don't know. I don't know much. And not apologizing after Medvedev took a much longer poop break. I guess, is this guy supposed to be like the next Johnny McEnroe type thing? Maybe not as good? I don't think nearly as good Mm. or successful. Yeah. But with that, we're done. Yeah. Uh, Another great episode, Rick. Um, yes, great sir. to be back in the studio with you. Hopefully, springtime is on the horizon, and it will be because baseball's back. Yeah, baby. Better back very, very soon. I'm ready for that. Once baseball back, that just means warm weather. Yeah. I'm ready for some warm weather Before here. you know it, we'll be out on your deck with some cigars, and life will be good all over again. Yeah, man. As long as the bees don't come down and sing us again. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> all right, with that, I'm Rick. I'm Feds. Don't forget to reach out to us at Twitter on the Wide Open underscore Sports. Subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes at Wide Open Sportscast. Rick and I are going to go conquer the lanes. Go Maze and Blue. Adios. Do you believe these guys are our future leaders in America? Thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. Really, that's all, folks.